This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. This is kind of an unusual program in that for the second week in a row, we're going to go forward without a proper guest. We've got quite a few guests lined up for the immediate future, but uh, none were quite ready for today's program. We'll get to them in the next few weeks. Among them will be Alan Hirschfeld, a previous guest whose book Parallax, The Race to Measure the Cosmos, was one that was uh, after our own heart. He's got a new one out titled Eureka Man, The Life and Legacy of Archimedes. That should be fun. We also expect to hear from Richard A. Muller, that'd be Dr. Muller, about his recent book, Physics for Future Presidents, The Science Behind the Headlines. We expect to be joined by David Watts Barton, frequently heard on Capital Public Radio, to talk about the new Beatles issue. Also from Cap Radio, we think Nick Bruner will be joining us in the not-too-distant future to talk about uh, his work with alternative uh, music, something near and dear to the hearts of listeners of, uh, of KDVS, KZFR, and a lot of other alternative uh, I guess you might call it type stations. And I hate to say it, but we're, we're determined to get Ben Bird on this program as well as William Wellman Jr. And, and God dang it, we will, just maybe not next week. I also hope that we'll hear from Elaine Norwich Geller, who I had the pleasure of interviewing on Capital Public Radio on Tuesday of this week. Elaine Geller spoke at an exhibit over at uh, Sacramento City College about the spirit of Anne Frank, which, uh, which I would recommend uh, that you check out if you get a chance. The story of Anne Frank is a, is a terrible one, and it, you may not sleep well that night, but, but I think that uh, the ultimate triumph of the human spirit over oppression is, is the take-home uh, uh, lesson from, from that, and it's, uh, you know, I think something that if you haven't read The Diary of Anne Frank, which frankly I had not done until last week, um, you should. Lane Geller was a survivor of Bergen-Belsen concentration camp, where unfortunately Anne Frank expired three weeks before the camp was liberated by Allied British forces. Anyway, that's that's a lot of interesting folks that we expect to be hearing from in the not-too-distant future, but um, today's program we're going to do something we haven't done in a while, I think a little bit of comedy, some, some of our favorite comedy clips we're going to work into uh, the program, because, you know... What good's a radio show if you can't have a little fun once in a while, huh? We do strive to mix, you know, the lighthearted with some heavier fare on this show week in and week out. But I was lamenting recently the fact that we, uh, you know, we just haven't done a lot of pure comedy of late, and we're going to address that and try and fix that today. Speaking of today, which is September 17th, let's begin the program as we like to do with On This Date in History. It was on September 17th in 1683 that the Dutch scientist Anton von Leeuwenhoek reported the discovery of live bacteria, which he discovered living in the plaque, which he picked from his own teeth. The discovery of uh, microscopic organisms was one of the great surprises in the history of science. Prior to this, no one had even suspected that such things existed. On uh, September 17th in 1884, which was surely not a red-letter day in the history of jurisprudence, a judge in Oakland, California, set a new speed record for verdicts. He disposed of 13 criminal cases in just six minutes. 
In this date in 1935, Scottish physicist Robert Alexander Watson Watt, working for the National Physical Laboratory in Great Britain, filed a patent for what he called radio detection and ranging, which is better known to you and I as radar. On this date in 1939, Soviet troops swept into eastern Poland at the onset of World War II, taking advantage of a pact with Nazi Germany, the Molotov-Von Ribbentrop Pact, which allowed the two nations to basically carve up Poland. And uh, allowed them would be, of course, in parentheses. On this date in 1978, in ceremonies at the U.S. White House, Egyptian President Anwar Sadat and Israeli Prime Minister Menachem Begin signed the Camp David Accords, brokered by Jimmy Carter, which laid the foundation for a peaceful agreement between the two nations. 31 years later, Egypt and Israel remain at peace. And on the very same day, in 1978, in New Orleans, Muhammad Ali defeated Leon Spinks to regain his world heavyweight title, becoming the first boxer to win that title three times. And what better guy to use for our quote of the week than Muhammad Ali, who once said, My toughest fight was with my first wife. Our quip of the day comes from Garrison Keeler, who unfortunately had to cancel his appearance in Sacramento next week due to the fact that he had a small stroke. Apparently, complete recovery is expected, and I expect he will be back in the area at some point in the future. Some questions were put to him in the current edition of Vanity Fair, and I kind of like the exchange on this one. He was asked, what's your idea of perfect happiness? And our quip of the week would be his response. To be wildly, desperately, carelessly, nakedly in love, of course. Crazy, obsessive love, brooding, baying at the moon, writing daily missives to the adored. Who wouldn't want this? Even though the crash is painful. And our our jokes, I guess, of the day come from an email sent to us by Peter, which was quite a lengthy list of great quotes from women. I threw away... uh, About half of them, ones I didn't care for so much, and still have seven pages to choose from. I think I'll take uh, eh, the top ten. All right. Great quotes. Abigail Van Buren. People who fight with fire usually end up with ashes. Catherine Whitehorn. Why do born-again people so often make you wish they'd never been born the first time? Here's one we've used before, but it's worth using again. Margaret Thatcher. Being powerful... It's like being a lady. If you have to tell people you are, you aren't. Joyce Jilson. There are times not to flirt. When you're sick, when you're with children, and when you're on the witness stand. Indira Gandhi. My grandfather once told me there are two kinds of people. Those who do the work and those who take the credit. He told me to try and be in the first group. There's much less competition. Edith Evans. When a woman behaves like a man, why doesn't she behave like a nice man? Of course, a classic of American politics from Miriam Ma Ferguson, governor of Texas in 1924. English was good enough for Jesus Christ, and it's good enough for the children of Texas. Colleen C. Barrett. When it comes to getting things done, we need fewer architects and more bricklayers. Save the two favorites for last. The runner-up, the immortal Betty Davis talking about a fellow starlet. She's the original good time that was had by all. And our personal favorite from Elsa Einstein, wife of Albert. No, I don't understand my husband's theory of relativity, but I know my husband, 
and I know he can be trusted. Our stat of the day, 225 kilometers per hour. That's the average speed of the British Steam Car Challenge team's car, which sort of sadly smashed the world 103-year-old record for fastest speed achieved by a steam-driven automobile. You know, personally, I kind of wish they'd left that one be. There's something so wonderful about someone that can set a record that lasts over a century. Let us go at this point to the good, the bad, and the ugly. According to The Week magazine, it was a good week last week for conspiracy theorists. This in the wake of two Bangladeshi newspapers publishing an article from the satirical newspaper The Onion as if it were true. The Onion had reported that astronaut Neil Armstrong admitted that the moon landing was filmed on a soundstage. Armstrong was quoted as saying, I suppose it really was one small step for a man, one giant lie for mankind. Yes, I'm sure there was some sad times in the Dhaka post-intelligence when that one fell through. Of course, we at this program think that was only the second best recent headline of, of The Onion. Our favorite is, U.S. government finds $20 billion buried by absent-minded Ronald Reagan in 1987. But you know, one that isn't bad either is, Japanese leaders say radioactive waste may have contributed to creation of giant monsters. But anyway, uh, <laughs> Week Magazine judged it a bad week last week for social networking after two girls, ages 10 and 12, who were trapped in a storm drain in South Australia, decided to seek help by using their cell phones to update their Facebook status rather than calling Australia's equivalent of 911. According to officials, the youngsters' fixation on Facebook delayed their rescue for hours. And finally, it was an ugly week for books. Last week, after Cushing Academy, a Massachusetts prep school, said it was, it was discarding more than 20,000 books and replacing their library with a digital learning center. Said Headmaster James Tracy, When I look at books, I see an outdated technology. Which allows us to segue right into our Jackass of the Week feature, which I think we will have to award to Mr. James Tracy of the Cushing Academy. <laughs> All right, here's one we like from the Only in America file. Apparently a group of entrepreneurial atheists have started offering pet care services to devout Christians who expect to ascend bodily to heaven during the rapture. Since the founders of the company have no chance of salvation, they say they can guarantee years of humane post-rapture pet care for just $110. You know, we need some kind of a plum award to, to, to balance off our jackass of the week. We'll call it the Attaboy Award and make the first award to those atheists who are going to manage pets post-rapture. 
All right, let's do a bit of follow-up. We're, keen, we're happy to report the September 09 edition of Scientific American Vindicates Radio Parallax. We've told you, and in fact told you more than once in this program, that it is a myth that the water goes down the toilet one way in the Northern Hemisphere and the other way in the Southern Hemisphere. And to quote Scientific American, that idea is a myth. Although the Coriolis force is strong enough to direct the winds of hurricanes when acting over hundreds of miles for days, it is far too weak to stir a small bowl of water in the scant seconds the water takes to run down the drain. So there you have it. If you will take the time to perform an experiment in this area, as I did when I was in the third grade, you should be able to satisfy yourself that both Radio Parallax and Scientific American are correct. You might also be able to win a bar bet on this, as I once did. We've mentioned in the last couple shows that uh, World War II began 70 years ago uh, this, this month. A couple of stories related to that are as follows. Apparently on the brink of World War II, a young British stockbroker named Nicholas Winton did what he could to save the lives of some Jewish children. Between March and August of 1939, before the outbreak of war, he arranged for eight trains to carry 669 mostly Jewish children from Czechoslovakia to England, ultimately. Last week, to celebrate the seventh anniversary of their rescue, 22 of these evacuees retraced the last leg of their journey in a vintage train alighting at London's Liverpool station. Winton, still alive at age 100, was there to greet them. Said Winton, it's wonderful to see you all after so many years. Don't leave it quite so long until we meet here again. And apparently Israel's former chief rabbi has won recognition for the man who saved him from death in Buchenwald when he was a boy. Rabbi Israel Meyer Lau never forgot his fellow prisoner, who was a Russian he only knew as Fyodor. Apparently Fyodor stole potatoes for him, knitted him earmuffs, and protected him from guards. The two were separated after liberation, and Lau never saw him again. Last year, a Holocaust researcher uncovered his identity. Fyodor Mikhailchenko, a geologist who died in 1993. In a tearful ceremony in Jerusalem last week, Mikhailchenko's daughter received on her father's behalf Israel's Righteous Among the Nations Award, the highest, its highest honor for non-Jews. All right, from the health file, we have the following item. It was reported last month in, in the New England Journal of Medicine that a study of uh, the, the amount of x-rays received by Americans uh, showed we may be getting too many. They found that although the average annual radiation exposure from x-rays, CT scans, and other tests was low, they found that about 20% of people were exposed to moderate radiation doses and 2% were exposed to high levels. Super x-rays used to check heart problems accounted for nearly a quarter of the radiation people received. Apparently, the study did not uh, direct, directly address whether medical imaging is being overused, but a lot of doctors are concerned that advanced tests like CT scans are being overprescribed, and that evidence of their value in certain situations is lacking. It's felt that in certain cases, tests like MRI scans, which do not involve radiation, might be used instead. Over the past three decades, of course, CT scans have emerged as a popular way to get a 3D peek inside the body. 83 million CT scans were performed in 2007. Article in the AP quoted Dr. Michael Lauer of the National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute, who, by the way, was not part of the research, 
who said CT scans produce beautiful pictures, but they generate a huge amount of radiation compared to a standard X-ray. Should note that high radiation exposure is a known risk factor for cancer. Well, of course, many years usually pass between exposure and the appearance of a cancer. Speaking of brain scans, on this case we're talking about functional MRIs, which don't involve radiation, but magnetic resonance. Some researchers at Harvard discovered that uh, apparently honest people don't have to work at not cheating. They're not even tempted. These neuroscientists, Joshua Green and Joseph Paxton at Harvard, asked people to either tell the truth or lie while undergoing a brain scan. It was noted that when neuroscientists study honesty, they usually ask people to either tell the truth or lie while they're undergoing a brain scan. It was felt that this was quite unsatisfactory because even the liars are doing as they're told. So Joshua Green and Joseph Paxton came up with an alternative. They asked volunteers to bet money on the flip of a coin. Sometimes the players had to record their predictions before the flip, and sometimes they just said whether they'd guessed correctly after the flip, giving them the opportunity to cheat. Statistical analysis showed that some, but not all, did, did so. Of course, the, the, proof, of, the proof was an, an abnormally high success rate. Anyway, they looked at the, the functional MRIs, uh, recording brainwave activities, and discovered that honest players showed no increase in brain activity when they had a chance to cheat, suggesting they didn't have to make a conscious effort to be honest. On the other hand, dishonest players showed increased brain activity whenever they had the chance to cheat, even when they presumably, uh, you know, reported that they'd lost in a truthful manner. So there you have it. We're, we're, getting, we're getting close to being able to read people's minds. Another medical news dating back to early in the summer, the FDA asked the manufacturers of Zycam intranasal sprays, which contain zinc, to recall those products because a lot of people were losing their sense of smell. And yes, alarmingly, and apparently in some cases, this loss of sense of smell was permanent. Anyway, uh, keep that in mind as we approach the cold and flu season this fall. And by the way, if you look on the package labeling and it says homeopathic remedy, well, unless you want to buy expensive water, I'd move on. And while Airborne is not a homeopathic product, it is basically a vitamin tablet that's never been shown to have any ability to stop you from getting a virus or cold or what have you through Airborne droplets. So uh, when it comes to that, I'd again say, save your money. And yes, that is a professional opinion. Which might be a good time to mention that, although I am a medical doctor, the opinions, medical or otherwise, expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of KDVS, our sponsors, or the regents of the University of California. Although it would please me a great deal if I could keep a regent from spending his or her hard-earned money on bogus cold remedies. And uh, let's close the segment with some more good news from the world of medicine. Apparently, uh, a recent check of some newer methods of measuring troponin, which uh, doctors need to tell whether you're having a heart attack, some of the new tests they've developed are better than the old. The newest tests have accuracies in the 94 to 96% range compared to 85 to 90 for older tests. Good news if you have to go to the uh, ER to have a heart attack ruled in or ruled out. We've not heard so far from our old pal Will Durst. He's a busy guy. And so instead, I think I'll uh, substitute uh, Durst for Conan O'Brien, who said the following things last week. 
President Obama is giving a lot of very important speeches. He gave a speech about health care tonight, and yesterday he gave a pep talk to students. He told them that in order to succeed, they need to work hard and study hard. And today, former President George W. Bush presented the rebuttal. Conan also said that the University of Wyoming recently announced they're naming an international student center after former Vice President Dick Cheney. Because if there's two things that make you think, welcome foreigners, it's Dick Cheney and Wyoming. Finally, according to Conan O'Brien, at a press conference this week, NASA made a big announcement. They announced they've created a magnetic device that can levitate mice. Said a NASA spokesperson, if you don't let us go to Mars, this is the kind of stupid crap we're going to do. All right, let's take a short break. You're listening to Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett.